This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, you betcha, yeah. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. What's up? Oh, you know, just just recording an episode talking to you about movies. <laughs> as we do from time to time. Or as Steve on uh, on Movie Drone says, whenever we fucking feel like it. <laughs> that was hilarious. I was going to message him about that the other day. He's so jealous. <laughs> He's so jealous. We, we give so few fucks that we just do episodes whenever we feel like it. Yeah, because uh, yeah, shout out to Movie Drone. I was going to thank him for uh, playing our promo once again. Uh, or a uh, very dated promo now. It's probably been what, two years now. At since least, you did that promo at, at least, least two maybe three but uh honestly we don't it's not that we don't want to do more episodes it's that we've been fucking busy you know for the last year and a half yeah i got married went on a honeymoon plus the lack of new movies and stuff like <laughs> that too. just loss of motivation and now that we we're motivated we don't have the time <laughs> yeah. They made me laugh pretty hard. <laughs> Whatever the fuck they feel like it. <laughs> uh thanks, Steve and Mark. Steve was being a real Mark. <laughs> I think they're starting to to reverse a little bit and, and they're becoming more Steve and less Mark. <laughs> Those guys are great. Yeah. Fun. Speaking of shout-outs, we also got a lovely shout-out on the Midnight Movie Cowboys podcast. A glowing review from Mr. Stuart Bulk. Yeah. That was quite delightful. He didn't know what our names were or who we were, but he knew that he listened to a podcast that he liked that was about <laughs> movies. <laughs> he got the name, right? Yes. And then I uh, I reached out to him on Facebook, let him know what the deal was, introduced myself. <laughs> Because on Facebook, my name is Eric Gregory. So because <laughs> so like John was saying, like, oh, the, uh, you know, because uh, Hunter talked about how he corresponded with you on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, John said, well, the other guy's on uh, Facebook under his real name. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, if he's looking for Eric Mulder, he's not going to find him. Like Mulder. Not, is not in the Facebook name. group. Mulder is definitely <laughs> a fake name. Who, who would want to be called that? It's pre-X Files. <laughs> yeah, Stu's not on Twitter that I know of, but uh... no, he used to be uh, years ago. Because remember, I followed him years ago. I'd asked him about it, and he said, "Yeah, he's not on there anymore." But because uh, I think his uh, profile pic was the Invisible Man. Funny, and a little Claude Rains action. And then uh, it's been a minute since I saw the original Invisible Man, but I think he may have been. He was definitely a domestic abuser. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> he may have, he may have also been a rapist, but. Well, you talk about the new one. 
<laughs> the remake. <laughs> Maybe the remake was more true to the original than I remembered. <laughs> the Invisible Man, colon, the Robert Blake story. <laughs> hey, Robert Blake was innocent. He had to go in to the restaurant and get his gun <laughs> from the table that he left next to the dessert plate. <laughs> Uh, it's an airtight alibi i couldn't have shot her my gun was in the restaurant <laughs> so yeah thanks again to those two wonderful podcasts midnight movie cowboys and movie drone from those brits from across the pond Stu is uh, australian he's down under. so across uh a different pond he's, he's down under there mm-hmm. all right so let's uh get it started here we are kicking off our it's kind of a summer of Scott, but it's really just a month of Tony Scott. Uh, we said last episode that we're going to do Top Gun in November, right before the sequel comes out. But uh, yeah, we're going to do three films uh, in August. Yeah, Kicking off the true romance. True romance. You know us. We love Quentin Tarantino here at WTM. Mm-hmm. Very big fans. And he wrote True Romance, allegedly. <laughs> him and uh roger avery i think is uncredited in imdb what was the deal i'm sure it's in the trivia but didn't he uh he sold true romance's script to pay for the production of reservoir dogs is that basically is that yeah true? yeah and uh because he also i think he sold natural born killers right after yeah uh reservoir dogs I think they're all around the kind of the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And because I've heard a couple of different stories about natural born killers, but the most common one is that, you know, he hates it. Uh, He went to see it in a theater and he walked out during the I love Mallory scene. Oh yeah. uh, Which is one of our favorites. (laughs) (laughs) With Rodney Dangerfield. I put it on my top five dinner scene. It might've even been my number one dinner scene. And it was in uh, WTM's long lost episode, or I should say, unreleased episode of Top Five Worst Movie Dads. I had for number one on both our lists. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield as uh, um, uh, God, what the fuck's his name in there? Anyways, Mallory's dad. Yeah, but uh, I've heard another story that he's revisited it since and likes the film now although i think i only read that one place so yeah i can't really confirm that but i i think i've heard that too that he's softened his stance on it that it's not as bad as he thought it was but it's still like not his original vision yeah and tarantino did originally like true romance still does although the the first time he saw it uh, he didn't care for the ending because the ending has changed from the, his original script in which Clarence dies at the end. Yeah. And uh, Tony Scott said that you know, he kind of fell in love with the characters and he didn't want to see him die. And so, uh, yeah, he changed the, the ending and Quentin didn't like that at first, but uh, he came around eventually and he does uh, like it now and agrees with it. think it's uh, better for the story. I think I also read at one point that, um, like Tarantino originally wrote it like Pulp Fiction where it was all jumbled up. Yep. And then Tony Scott's like, fuck that shit. I'm putting it in chronological order. This is too hard to (laughs) figure out if you don't. (laughs) (laughs) 
Pulp Fiction didn't come out yet, so yeah, these American audiences weren't used to the non-linear storytelling. And Tony Scott was coming off of uh, what Days of Thunder. Yeah, we'll go through his filmography, but I really like Days of Thunder. That was a fun movie. <laughs> do do <you? laughs> I liked it growing up? I've watched it once or twice in the past fifteen years or so. I mean, I always like the mellow yellow car. Yeah, because I like that old school mellow yellow logo. But uh, yeah, I mean, I liked it growing up, but it's it's pretty cheesy and still entertaining when I've revisited it. But I mean, it's like Top Gun on NASCAR. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> I think I reviewed it on the on the podcast here because I like I was really aware of it as a kid, but I never watched it until like a year, like maybe a couple of years ago, maybe even last year. Yeah. But uh yeah, it was uh it was Randy Quaid in a rare serious role. <laughs> it was uh yeah, a lot of fun. Oh, actually the last Boy Scout was the looks like was the last one he did before True Romance. Yeah. And Days of Thunder was the year before The Last Boy Scout. I was listening to part of the commentary on the Blu-ray I have, it's the director's cut which uh, I'll have you get into that in a minute, but uh, there's some special features on there. There's some commentary from like Brad Pitt's one of them. Yeah. But it's just like five minutes of him talking about the movie. And uh, he said originally that Tony had talked to him about a bigger role, probably Clarence, but he didn't really get the movie. Like <laughs> he, like he was kind of indifferent. Like he didn't really get why it was that good of a script or that good of a story. Like he, the main thing he had a problem with was he's like, okay, so he gets his father killed and then they just don't mention it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> like they just don't bring it up. Don't address it. Just gets his father killed. And well, he gets right off into the sunset, but. <laughs> <laughs> but what about his dad? He's like, I didn't really get it. So he's like, I'll, I'll uh, but I like Tony from working with him, but I'm trying to figure out what he worked on him with. He might've produced something. Because around that time, Brad Pitt wasn't in, you know, Days of Thunder, Last Boy Scout. He's not in Revenge. Um, so maybe he's a producer on something. Yeah, I'm trying to see. He said he liked Tony. So he's like, here, let me play this part, which is, you know, the stoner, Floyd. And it was Brad Pitt's idea to make him a stoner. <laughs> he's, he asked him, he said, hey, can I uh, make this character a stoner? Because he's in the same place in every scene right so let's make him a stoner just sitting on the couch and he kind of liked the idea of playing the character floyd because it's floyd's fault that basically everyone dies (laughs) (laughs) he really is (laughs) it very much is (laughs) he kind of sets everything in motion with you know tipping off the mob associates of mr blue lou boyle (laughs) Who doesn't appear? <laughs> was California before or after True Romance? Because I feel like Brad Pitt was like, I don't get True Romance, so, uh, but it did real good business, so I'm going to do California. Yeah, and the commentary city had just done California, and that seemed in like a similar vein. It's not as good. Yeah. I don't know if I've actually seen that. I saw it once a long time ago, but uh, I just remember it being kind of mediocre. 
like especially like compared to like Juliette Lewis is in that one and it's like it came out right around the same time as Natural Born Killers and like Natural Born Killers is just so much better. <laughs> like it's hard it's hard not to compare it to like True Romance and Natural Born Killers because it's in a similar vein but mm-hmm. uh like it's not as good. Yeah, when this film came out True Romance uh, it, it got mediocre reviews from critics and it was also a bomb it cost about 12 and a half million it made 12.3 so it was pretty big dud yeah. i'm sure it made enough back in home video rentals and whatnot but you know then of course it's become a huge cult hit so now it's definitely made some money but well how much do you want to wager there is that it bombed because people thought it was a uh rom-com <laughs> Which well, it kind of is, but like not like a real rom com. Yeah, I don't know if it's maybe Christian Slater in the lead role. I mean, he was in Prince of Thieves a year or two prior in the supporting role. He did the pump up the volume a few years earlier. He wasn't like the big leading man. Like, if you look at the cast, yeah, you got sure. Christopher fucking Walken and Dennis Hopper. And Brad Pitt wasn't huge yet, but nope. you know, he had done some things. Chris Penn and Tom Sizemore. Yeah, they were still coming along. I mean, Bronson Pinchot coming straight off of Perfect Strangers. (laughs) Yeah. And Beverly Hills Cop. Was he on Step by Step yet? Uh, Not sure. I think he showed up later. He was in Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 3. The 3 didn't come out for another year, though. I mean, Michael Rappaport. I mean, he... He hadn't done, done much, stuff, I think. I'm we go to through think... the cast, but basically, you know, it's like he, he was kind of a leading man at the time. But I guess the box office performance led to him getting less leading man roles. Yeah, I was trying to remember Christian Slater, like when he fell off, because he was, um, you know, kind of big in the '80s. You know, Heather's was kind of his peak, I think. Yeah, and that was '88, I believe. You know, I was scrolling through his filmography and a film I still haven't seen. And I think I need to. It's 3,000 Miles to Graceland. <laughs> Remember that like, one? Like, I know people like rave about it. Like, people who yeah. have seen it really like it. Because it's such a huge bomb at the time, but I hear it's, you know, people have been changing their minds, I guess. Young Guns, too. Yeah. That's an ensemble. Yeah, Heather's is 88. He was in that movie Mobsters. That was kind of a bomb, too. Star Trek 4 or 6. <laughs> Star Cuffs. Trek 6. Cuffs, he was a leading man. Fern Gully. He was, uh, he was a voice in Fern Gully. Everybody's nightmare from their childhood in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. See, it doesn't really have any leading roles. He can, I mean, he kind of does in Broken Arrow in 96, but John Travolta is the bigger name, especially after Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't do a whole lot. Hard Rain. But he's in there with Morgan Freeman, so overshadowed again. He's kind of always overshadowed by his, the other people in the cast. Like Even now, like he kind of made a comeback with uh, Mr. Robot, but even then that, he's like a secondary role. And he's in some uh, Lars von Trier. Uh, well, he's in Nymphomaniac uh, 1 and 2. He's really good in there. This have I seen him in recently. That's probably it, but I feel like I haven't seen a lot of Christian Slater's stuff, but yeah, 
like like I think he's perfectly cast in True Romance. He's perfectly cast in Heather's. But like once you start trying to expand his uh, his range beyond that type of character, it gets a little uh, little iffy. Yeah, like I think he's perfect for Clarence. He does the role well, but it's not like I'd pick him for a lot of stuff. I think everybody in True Romance is like perfect for their character. Mm-hmm. Like like one of the best cast movies. Like just watching it, I'm like, damn, like everybody's like exactly who their character is. Yeah, the Weinstein brothers knew what they were doing with this one, huh? Mm. <laughs> Bob and Harvey. Harvey's like, my favorite scene is in the hotel with Gandolfini and Patricia. <laughs> really roughs her up (laughs) yeah Gandolfini's in here too of course you know he was kind of just starting out too but he's great in here oh absolutely still has a little hair left yeah I mean uh, he had to be relatively young probably in his 30s mid 30s maybe all right, let's go through the official details here. True Romance came out in 93, directed by Tony Scott, written by Quentin Tarantino, starring Christian Slater as Clarence Worley, Patricia Arquette as Alabama, Whitman, changed her name to Worley once they get married, 12 hours after meeting. <laughs> Does she even like say what her last name was before? They I don't remember married? hearing Whitman, but it says I Whitman here. Den- Dennis Hopper as Clifford Worley. Uh, his dad and i don't know if i remember hearing cliff i thought they called him frank i don't know or maybe he said frankly whirly and <laughs> like like frankly comma whirly comma <laughs> like but he called him frank Val kilmer as mentor which is just another name for elvis he's the uh elvis that christian slater is always talking to you never see his face he's the one that tells him to kill people <laughs> <laughs> he's basically schizophrenic <laughs> psychotic <laughs> Gary Oldman as Drexel Spivey this is Gary Oldman's greatest role of all time <laughs> I will I will not accept arguments against Drexel being his best role <laughs> motherfucking Charlie Bronson <laughs> definitely ain't Brett I know I'm pretty but I definitely ain't no prettier than uh, some big ass titties over the, the <laughs> TV over there. <laughs> Brad Pitt is Floyd, uh, Dick's roommate. Christopher Walken is Vincenzo Cocody. Brunson Pincho is Elliot Blitzer. Samuel Jackson is Big Don. Michael Rapoport is Dick Ritchie. Saul Rubinek is Lee Donowitz. Yeah, I remember he was in, uh, he was in Unforgiven that came out the year before. Saul Rubinak was? Yeah, that's all I remember him from, basically. He looks really familiar, but I, I can never place him outside yeah, I was kind of, of this movie. Trying to figure out what producer he was uh, kind of uh, <laughs> portraying. I don't know if it was like a Weinstein or a Scott Rudin or something like that. He kind of looks like Harvey. Yeah. James Gandolfini is Virgil. Victor Argo is Lenny. Anna Thompson is Lucy. Uh, Chris Penn is Nikki Dimes. Tom Sizemore is Cody Nicholson. Uh, Kevin Corrigan is Marvin. Frank Adonis is Frankie. So there's a mobster named Frankie. Uh-huh. And uh, Paul Ben Victor, who's uh, 
making another appearance. He was in the rookie, his little Felix, who got the, <laughs> who got the, the fake uh, Coke from Clint Eastwood. <laughs> you bastard! Polanski, you fucking bastard! This shit is talk about him, man! You fucking double-crossing green pig bastard! Oh, man! Tira Cry. That's why he looks so familiar. Like, mm-hmm. what, what do I know that guy from? He's been in a ton, uh, a ton of movies, though, I think. Yeah. Eric Allen Kramer's Boris. I think that's about it. Wasn't Boris in... Uh... I just remember from uh, American Wedding. I think that's him in American Wedding. I was thinking he was in Die Hard. He was, the, was he the guy with the long ponytail? Uh, no. The blonde ponytail, I mean. No, not him. But yeah, he is an American wedding, but he's in Robin Hood. He was Lil John, uh, Robin Hood, Prince, uh, Men in Tights. <laughs> <laughs> I can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, the guy with the ponytail, the security guard for Lee, he looked really familiar. Synopsis. In Detroit, a lonely pop culture geek marries a call girl, steals cocaine from her pimp, and tries to sell it in Hollywood. Meanwhile, the owners of the cocaine, the mob, track them down in an attempt to reclaim it. So this is obviously a Tarantino wet dream. He's just wrote a movie or a fantasy film about himself fulfilling all his wild dreams. I was thinking that as I was watching this time. Like, Yeah, definitely Tarantino wrote about himself <laughs> it's everything that he would want oh my as God. like a 30 year old dude <laughs> and the video archives is just replaced with that uh, comic book store right but he still goes to the sunny chiba triple feature on his birthday yeah <laughs> he asked the the woman at the bar do you want me to go to a kung fu movie with you he's like three <laughs> No, <laughs> not really my cup of tea. I think that woman at the bar was the junkie mom from The Crow. Oh, yeah. Uh, she was also in Unforgiven. Have you seen Unforgiven? No, I have not seen she, Unforgiven. Okay, so the gist of that story is in the beginning, uh, she plays a prostitute, or as uh, Christian Slater would say, you're a whore. <laughs> 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 and uh, she laughs at like a guy's dick. And he beats her up and cuts her face up. And so the other prostitutes are mad and they want revenge. So they hire Clint Eastwood uh, to kill him. And Clint Eastwood gets his buddy, Morgan Freeman. It's like these over the hill gunfighters. Yeah. You know, back in the saddle again for one last ride. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's, it's like a, it's like a deconstruction of Westerns and whatnot. It's different than I guess a lot of Westerns, but anyways, yeah, she's the, the whore with the cut up face. <laughs> so before we start breaking it down, um, we both watched the director's cut, right? Oh yeah. That's uh... um, and you looked into this a little more. The main difference I saw is that at the end, I read that uh, Boris shoots Chris Penn and not Alabama in the theatrical version. So the director's cut, they changed it to Alabama. Yeah. So I uh so I got the director's cut DVD 
God, it's like probably 15 years old now. But I was I was watching that because you know I figured it's the director's cut. But halfway through, my DVD starts freezing on me, and I can't get it to work. Fuck me, right? So, <laughs> so it's on <laughs> HBO Max, and uh, I, I start kind of looking through IMDb to see what the difference was because it's not listed as the director's cut on HBO, and. It said like the only version released to home video was the director's cut. So like I kind of scrolled through and it looked like it was the same. Like there wasn't really any difference between my DVD and what's on HBO Max. So I finished watching it on there. But I think I saw like there's like a three minute difference in runtime between the theatrical. I think it's two. Uh, yeah, so it's like an two hour 59 three. here and it was two minute or two hours and one minute on my blu-ray yeah so and a few seconds change but yeah like the theatrical had to have been released i think on vhs didn't it um i'm not sure um but it looked like the only like real differences were like the theatrical version had some some of the more violent scenes uh cut down and then they restored the violence for the director's cut mm-hmm I guess the original VHS was the the theatrical, but all the uh, all the discs, all the DVDs and whatnot were the director's cut. All right. Well, I was thinking about the music because it's a pretty good soundtrack. Yeah. And you think there'd be like Elvis songs, <laughs> but what if they just ran out of budget with the cast? Maybe the Elvis songs are just too expensive. But the only Elvis song I saw in there was not even sung by Elvis. It's by uh, uh, Val Kilmer. <laughs> he performed it. So saving some money as, there. Val Kilmer as Elvis. But in the opening scene, when he's talking about Elvis, the song is Graceland by Charlie Sexton. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, that's kind of like the only two Elvis, uh, I guess, related songs in the soundtrack. I remember reading that they had spent a ton of money on the Soundgarden song that plays when the, <laughs> the mobsters show up to uh, ask Floyd where everybody went at the end. And uh, like it was originally going to be just like a filler and then they're going to find a cheaper song to replace it with, but like it tested really well. So they like shelled out the money to keep it in the, the final release. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where all their Elvis money went. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know. Uh, how about that uh, that pickup uh, line that he used, or like the story he used to try to pick up that lady at the bar with a. Uh, I mean, if I how had a fuck Elvis, guy, if I had a fuck a guy, <laughs> I'd fuck Elvis. It reminded me of the Chappelle show with the uh, home stenographer, <laughs> and actually, it was the travel stenographer. It was the, the, <laughs> yeah. the offshoot, <laughs> and uh, the guy was like making fun of his friend because they're like at the bar last night you totally said you would fuck matt damon and he's like i never i would have never said that i've never and then he's like let's read it back and he turns around and get a midget on his back <laughs> <laughs> with a little stenographer typewriter <laughs> and he's like read back what he said last night he goes and finds it he reads it back and uh, he's like uh I guess if it really came down to it i would totally fuck ben affleck and he's like i knew it was one of those guys <laughs> 
that's what it what Clarence reminded me of is in, in this first scene. Because mm-hmm. he's like he's like I'm not. He says he's not a you know the F slur. Which uh, speaking of Matt Damon, he just found out. Was was Matt Damon. My daughter just told me I shouldn't say that anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, the article talked about how she used a treatsy. What the fuck is a treatsy? I guess treatise. Did you read the article? It's like a treatise. It's like a it's what's like a treatise? An essay. It's like an essay or something. It's like a mini treatment or something. You know, like you write a treatment for like yeah. Like when Kramer went around to Hollywood with his treatment for his script. (laughs) (laughs) But the treatment was always specifically, you know, for film or I guess could be TV shows. But yeah, I I think it's like a like a short essay or something. Okay. Is it treatment? Yeah, it's usually like what? what, One, two pages, one or two pages. Kind of like the gist of a of what your plot is. Yeah, Google says a treatise is a written work dealing formally and systematically with a subject. It's like, just talk to him. <laughs> He's your fucking dad. Just talk to him like a human being. <laughs> like he'll understand. Yeah, he was pretty dumb to uh, say that out loud. Like he, <laughs> like he didn't realize that that words, you know, not supposed to be said in like the past ten years. <laughs> <laughs> for 15 yeah, like in contemporary pop culture it says i was quoting a line from my movie stuck on you <laughs> yeah, from from like oh six oh three, six, oh, three. <laughs> he said it was from oh three because <laughs> uh remember the movie waiting yeah ron reynolds that was like one of the last ones that really went hard on it yeah that's like the that's like the turning point for me, like where I noticed that people stop using the word like pretty much after that, like a year or two after that movie, it's probably around 07, the, the year or two, because I think the movie came out around 05, 06. Oh, I think it was later than that. I think it was like 09. Oh, no. That's like I a waiting. I swear here. to God, it was later than that. But um, oh, I guess it was 05. Yeah. You're right. But like 07, 08, they seemed to stop using that in movies yeah makes me yearn for the early 90s late 80s <laughs> like let's just pretend like nobody ever says these words anymore <laughs> it'll make it better <laughs> yeah matt damon just been yeah, yeah it's like oh so he just like this is fag all the time in front of his daughters and stuff for like jokes i guess like his kids <laughs> I, I as old think, as his kid, if she's making a treaty, she's got to be like 15 or well, something. Somebody said that he has three daughters that are like 10, 12, and 15. <laughs> and I, it was unclear which one wrote the treatise. But uh, yeah, apparently he's just going around making gay jokes. <laughs> you know, it meant something different when I was young. It's like, Dad, yeah. you're 50. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised that he said it. Or like you know, admitted all this, but it doesn't surprise me that he doesn't realize him. He's a guy from Boston. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> I saw like uh, there was a Huffington Post article about it, and um, uh, like people were questioning like like stuff like him or uh, you know, like when Liam Neeson talked about how his friend got raped, and then he was just going around looking for a black dude to beat up. And like these celebrities <laughs> yeah. are so out of touch. Some black bastard. 
<laughs> they're so out of touch that they think they're like like having really relatable stories like oh man I'm like <laughs> everybody else like i i've been saying fag since uh you know up until you know two months ago <laughs> like have you guys heard this? Is this not good to say this anymore? Like this is brand new. I'm on the edge. Have you seen how frequently that guy pisses himself in public? Which one, Matt Damon? No, Liam Neeson. <laughs> I I can't say I've uh, I've paid attention or noticed. Do me a favor and Google Liam Neeson pissing himself, <laughs> and there are about a dozen pictures, and he's wearing different clothes in each one. <laughs> He's like taking pictures. Of, he's just shit faced all the time. Apparently, he's always like taking pictures of fans or something. And he's got a big wet spot in his pants, in front oh of his God. pants. They had a <laughs> in the new Jungle Cruise movie. They had a there's a scene where like a jaguar busts into this restaurant bar, and uh, the Rock is like getting ready to score off with it, and he's like, "Everybody, be calm. Like, smell fear." And like this one British dude who was there with his sister, he was Emily Blunt's uh, brother in the movie. He goes, "Can they smell liquid fear?" Uh, you like he'd pissed himself. The <laughs> 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 uh, movie is like surprisingly funny. Like, there's, there's a lot of puns in it. They're really punny jokes. I know, <laughs> I know you like puns. <laughs> But anyways, opening scene, Clarence is lying as I'm not a fag, but uh, Elvis is pretty hot. I mean, women <laughs> find him attractive. If I had to fuck a guy, I'd fuck Elvis. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you want to go see some kung fu movies with me, lady at the bar? <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little bit about the music earlier. She also mentioned that uh, the score is an homage to, well, the movie itself is kind of an homage to Badlands. Uh, there's pretty much identical music like xylophone same melody yeah uh, same female narration sissy spacek and badlands trisha arquette true romance story is also a little similar young couple on the run mm-hmm. although there's more murder or i guess cold-blooded murder in badlands <laughs> <laughs> from charlie sheen because sissy spacek doesn't kill anyone martin sheen yeah, sorry. Martin <laughs> Sheen. Well, Charlie Sheen technically is in it. I don't think him and Emilio are sitting It'd on it. It'd be the... weird if he killed somebody in it because he was like six. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> him and Emilio are sitting on a fence in one scene, but that's about it. Yeah. I do like the, the score, you know. I, I yeah. always like people always like shit on Hans Zimmer. Like it's like a running joke that Hans Zimmer is like a bad like movie mm-hmm. composer, and it's like is he though? Like, cause he makes yeah. some good scores. I always like on Zip. Well, I can't say I like every film where he has a score in it, but like his like, scores he has are some of generally my... better than not. Yeah, I love a lot of his uh, scores. Like this one's real, like really good. I really like the uh, the recurring theme throughout. Um, cause yeah, I like his uh, a lot of his scores in Nolan films. Ball, ball. <laughs> that's the joke is like he just makes loud noises like just bang drums and drums and bass him and john williams can do a a little off i don't know what you want to call it but that's i'm writing contest right now it was so bad i literally threw up 
Make a note of that. <laughs> uh, whitest kids you know, John Williams sketch. Go, go find <laughs> it. Uh, it's on YouTube now. At least it was last time I checked. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> you said that to me about once a year. <laughs> it was. It was like the longest time where it had been deleted off like every site on the internet. And then like I think there's a Facebook site had uh, like an edited version of it, but like the full version's back on YouTube. So highly recommend people go look that look that up. I took some snippets out of it that I like to use on Twitter for reactions. Mm. Him yelling no at his at his wife right in her face, and then uh, <laughs> him throwing up. That's <laughs> 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 oh, so good. We should probably uh, pro- proceed with the movie. Mm-hmm. So we have the meet cute at the Sunny Chiba triple feature. Mm-hmm. Street Fighter, Return of the Street, Return of the Street Fighter, and Sister Street Fighter. Yeah, I have not seen any of those. Yeah, neither have I. But Sunny Chiba, you can't uh, can't knock him. Badass dude. So yeah, they watch that. It gets done at midnight, which I thought was a little strange. It's like okay, second run theater, but they're running it from like six to twelve. It seemed like it was going to be. Yeah like a midnight to six type of deal yeah it seemed really dark when they got in there but it was winter so i guess yeah. that's that's reasonable she came in late did you see Raphael walking out <laughs> no he went to see critters <laughs> that's right critters. <laughs> go see a movie it was like in its fifth run because it was like six years after it came out <laughs> Like, why are they still showing critters? Like, what year is this? <laughs> Those movies got sequels, like one after the other, bang, bang, bang. So, well, yeah, I'm sure. Like, well, to... three is showing, so let's start, you know, let's show the first one again. I was trying to think of the timing because I think it was between the first one and the second one. So maybe it was only like a couple years, but. Because no, Leo DiCaprio is in Critters 4, I think. Is he? That's yeah. That seems like it came out awfully late in his career. Yeah, so for... I'm thinking it's, Critters has got to be a little earlier than that. Get <laughs> <laughs> do a lot of tangents this episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even past like the second. We, we just got past the opening credits. Yeah, the problem is we, we have seven clips, but they're all pretty long. Yeah. Let's just uh, kind of run through. Meet cute, and then they, you know, he, they go eat pie after the movie, and he tells her about Elvis and how you fuck her, uh, how you how you fuck Elvis, and she gives him like no information about herself. Yeah, well, she answers the questions, but very. She answers with "I don't know" and "I don't know." Do you got <laughs> Do you got a fella? Ask me later. I like how Christian <laughs> Slater has a Southern accent, but he's like from detroit yeah and his dad doesn't have a southern accent yeah it is a little different although i mean it's not as southern as alabama's accent but she's supposed to be from florida yeah tallahassee it's what they call in tallahassee white trash poor white trash. I i don't think that was a southern accent i'm not good with accents yeah 
She's probably doing more of a Alabama. I guess it's more of a panhandle accent. <laughs> yeah, my first uh, note about the movie, I guess, is their first love scene. Yeah. Is a Tony Scott trademark because it's the same love scene as Top Gun. <laughs> silhouetted in blue light. <laughs> I want to say he does it in uh, Days of Thunder, too. Yeah, I'll have to watch that again. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> he loves that that blue backlit silhouette love making. Looks like the beginning of a of a Bond film. Yeah, I need to watch more of his '90s movies because I haven't seen like a lot of the ones from the mid to late '90s to see when he stopped doing the style from like this one, like True Romance and Days of Thunder and Top Gun are all kind of the same style, and then like. Like enemy of the state, he starts doing more of the like the the weird like special effects and stuff. And then Man on Fire, he goes a hundred percent all in. And like his next like five movies are are the same way. Yeah. Like, like at one point, at, at what point does he go from like more conservative, just kind of storytelling, to just we're gonna make this crazy as shit for no fucking reason whatsoever, but it's gonna look cool. The domino editing. Yes. Yeah, he had that uh, film Revenge I told you about. Yeah. That's, uh, I read somewhere, it was Tarantino was like, I can't remember if it was his favorite Tony Scott film or just like favorite film from that year, but Tarantino loved Revenge. So yeah. I was like, all right, I'm going to buy Revenge. It's cheap on Blu-ray. It is, I, I need to revisit it, but it is something. I don't really, I don't have a favorable view of it right now, but mm-hmm. I guess we'll see what happens when I watch it again. But yeah, it is different. It's stylized in a similar way, but I think you cut out when you said it is no different. Oh. <laughs> it's uh similarly styled, but uh the story is not what you expect it to be. So I guess it's refreshing in that way. You know, I'll say in this love scene, it's not the only thing I noticed, but it's one thing I noticed. Christian Slater either has a lot of moles on his back or he's got really bad back knee. <laughs> and that was on the i was still on the dvd that wasn't even like the like hd or uh 4k or anything like that i guess i just wasn't paying attention to, to christian slater's <laughs> naked body as much as you were no because there's like a shot right towards the end where it's like just square up of his back and it's like what are all these fucking <laughs> spots on your back dude like jesus like no wonder they put it in silhouette you know too much light on them in in that shot and uh yeah that uh, leads us to our first clip in which alabama comes clean tells him that he she was hired to be at the movie theater get your mind out of the gutter she confesses her love (laughs) i have something i gotta tell you I didn't just happen to be at that theater. I was paid to be there. You were paid to be there? What are you? Theater checker? You get paid to check up on the uh, box office girls, make sure they're not ripping the place off. I'm not a theater checker. I'm a call girl. You're a whore? No, I'm a call girl, and there's a difference, you know. Okay, here it goes. You know the place you took me to last night? The place you work? Yours for sale? You got a boss, right? Yeah. 
Hey, what's his name? Lance. That's him. He called the place where I work. He ordered a girl for you. He said he wanted you to get laid. See, you didn't get out much, and it was your birthday and all. He wanted me to act like I just showed up. Now, how did he know you were going to be at that theater? Uh, well, I, I go to the movies every year on my birthday. In fact, he called me up this week to find out what my birthday movie was going to be. You're not mad? No, oh, man. I can't tell you. That was one of the best times I ever had. It was. You know, I knew something must be rotten in Denmark. There was no way you could like me that much. I mean, I can't tell you how relieved I was when you took off your dress. You, you didn't have a dick. Stop being so fucking calm about all this. Go look in your house. There's a note on your TV, and all it says is Dear Clarence, because I couldn't write anymore. So I just said, Alabama, come clean. And just tell him what's what. And if he tells you to go back to Drexel and fuck yourself, then go back to Drexel and fuck yourself. Drexel? What's what's a Drexel? Please shut up. I'm trying to come clean, OK? I've been a call girl for exactly four days, and you're my third customer. I want you to know that I'm not damaged goods. I'm not what they call in Florida white trash. I'm a really good person. And when it comes to relationships, I'm 100%. I'm 100% monogamous. You stay with one guy? Exactly. If I'm with you, then I'm with you. And I don't want anybody else. Now, I got to tell you something else. You said last night was one of the best times you ever had. Did you mean physically? Oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the whole night. I mean, I, I never had as much fun with the girl as I had with you my whole life. <laughs> it's true. I, you like Elvis. You like, you like Janice. You like uh, kung fu movies. You like the Partridge Family. <laughs> Actually, I don't like the Partridge Family. That was part of the act. I feel really goofy saying this after only knowing you one night. <laughs> Me being a call girl and all. But I think I love you. Tarantino really liked that. Uh, there's something rotten in Denmark line. <laughs> <laughs> Uses it later in the, the movie. Uh, Chris Penn says it. Mm-hmm. I've never, I don't know if I, he probably stole that from another movie, but. I don't know. I've I'd... heard that before uh, a couple of times like outside of this film. I don't know if I have maybe in other shows or movies, but I don't know if I've ever I don't think I've ever heard it in real life. But yeah, uh, one of the funniest lines in the movie to me is you're a whore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I... <laughs> I always laugh when he says Drexel. What's a Drexel? <laughs> <laughs> and then she just like keeps going. <laughs> so it's love. They're in love. True romance. They found mm-hmm. it. And then uh, they just go get married at the courthouse. Mm-hmm. And then they're all 100% all in. Thank you, Mr. Warley. Thank you, Mrs. Warley. Oh, have you met my wife, Mrs. Warley? Married and then straight off to get some tattoos. Matching tattoos, exactly. Because why not? I mean, you're in it forever. And while this is going on, I believe is when we're introduced to Drexel. 
Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, who eats everything. <laughs> eats the pussy, I eat the, pussy, eats the, I eat the butt. <laughs> I eat every motherfucking thing. <laughs> oh, that's definitely a Tarantino conversation. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. And then uh, Drexel ends up blowing a couple motherfuckers away with a shotgun and then stealing a suitcase full of cocaine. Him, yeah, and, I saw, him and Marty. <laughs> saw in part of the trivia that it was written originally that he kills those two because one of them called him a white boy and Marty wasn't like in the scene originally, I guess. But Oh, yeah. Because it's kind of unclear, like... So why did he kill him? He's just why because it seemed like they were kind of familiar with each other, right? And like doing business for a while. So then it's just like okay, so he's just severing this business relationship for to keep the money and get the coke or whatever. Yeah, I, I suppose in the long run it's not important because like we literally just met those other two guys and like it doesn't really come up at all ever again. Yeah, it's just. It's just to show how he got the cocaine, which really, I feel like this scene probably isn't even necessary. Like, I guess that you want to show that he's ruthless and he got the cocaine, but yeah. Like, I don't and know it if- helps with uh, basically the Clarence's cover, if you will, because, uh, you know, like Dennis Hopper's telling me, you know, every, all the cops think it's drug related. Yeah. So if they think he's a suspect in all these drug murders, then he probably just got murdered himself over drugs. Mm hmm. Yeah, so uh, from there, uh, Clarence and Alabama are home watching movies, and Clarence, he, something's just not sitting right with him, so he, he's got to head to the bathroom, and Elvis tells him to go kill Drexel. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis shows up every time he's in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and uh, he always says what he wants to hear. Another Tarantino trope basically i always liked you clarence <laughs> his characters like having conversations with themselves in the bathroom yeah like vincent and pulp fiction vincent reading on the toilet in pulp fiction we're <laughs> <laughs> talking about go home jerk off and that's all you gonna do <laughs> so he's gonna go and get alabama's things from drexel and uh, he's packing heat, and uh, he's prepared. I don't know how much of this uh, scene you got, but this is a great scene. This is always one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Just like I said, Drexel is Gary Oldman's best character that he's ever played. All right, here we go. He's asking about Alabama. Who the fuck is that bitch? She's with me. Who the fuck are you? I'm her husband. Yeah. Well, that makes us practically related. <laughs> you have a seat, boy. You have yourself an egg roll. We got everything here from a little eye Joe to damn Nivano. No thanks. <laughs> no thanks. What that mean? Hmm? I think you're too scared to be. Hmm? Let's see. 
We're sitting down here, ready to negotiate. <laughs> You've already given up your shit. I'm still a mystery to you. But I know exactly where your white ass is coming from. See, if I ask if you want some dinner, and you grab the egg roll and start to try down, I say to myself, this motherfucker, he's carrying on like he ain't got a care in the world, and who knows? Maybe he don't. Maybe this fool's such a bad motherfucker. He don't got to worry about nothing. He just sit down, watch my motherfucking TV. See? <laughs> you ain't even sat down yet. And that TV over there, since you've been in the room, is a woman with her breasts is hanging out. You ain't even bothered to look. You just been clacking me. I know I'm pretty. But I ain't as pretty as a couple of titties. <laughs> Ooh wee! This shop feels. I'm not saying I ain't looking at the movie because I already seen it seven years ago. It's the Mac. Max Julian, Carol Speed, and Richard Pryor. I ain't scared of you. I just don't like you. And that envelope right there had some payoff money. Alabama's moving on to some greener pastures. We're not negotiating. I don't like to barter. It's in that envelope right there. It's for my peace of mind. My peace of mind is worth that much. Not one penny. Majestic over here. Everybody in this movie is a movie buff. It's fucking yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> watching, watching the Mac referencing the Mr. Majestic starring Charles Bronson. Like, mm-hmm. Oh man. I like you know, Drexel's sitting at the little sofa eating his egg rolls, and he's got the low-hanging like uh lamp or whatever. And he just starts, he keeps like pointing it at Clarence and he like swings it at him and it's fucking great. And he jumps on him like a fucking spider monkey at the end there. Mm-hmm. He drops an end bomb in there somewhere during the fight too. Well, he's uh, what they say he's part uh, Apache. Is that what something, he claimed? Something like that. That's what Alabama said. Clarence says, is he black? He, she, and she goes, he thinks he is. He claims his mom's native or something like that. And then, uh, yeah, but I don't think it's true. <laughs> he's a fez <laughs> he's he's uh transracial a fez. he's transracial he's the rachel dolls all the 90s <laughs> <laughs> so yeah a pretty wild fight goes on and then uh drexel kind of gets the upper hand and he says man marty this boy he thought it was white boy day is it white boy day marty i don't think so <laughs> and then uh 
Clarence shoots him in the dick. Uh, did you uh, notice who? Uh, I don't think I said his name earlier. Maybe I, yeah, I might have. But the guy who played Marty, it's the guy from Coming to America. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> like his, uh, like his assist, royal assistant or whatever. Oh, it is. That's his <laughs> pick on IMDb. Is him yeah. with the uh, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Can't tell with those sunglasses on the whole movie. True <laughs> romance. Speaking of sunglasses, I like how uh, Clarence likes puts his Elvis sunglasses on every time he wants to be mm-hmm. a badass. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he shoots Drexel in the dick, shoots Marty in the chest twice, and then he just uh, unloads two more in Drexel's face. He says, "Give me the Alabama stuff." They grab a suitcase, hand it to him. He gets back hey. to the uh, the apartment with his burgers. He's just chowing down. He's like, yeah, I killed him. I killed Drex. <laughs> she starts crying and then talks about how it's the most romantic thing everyone anyone's ever done for her. <laughs> She's like, I just think it's what? I just, what? And he's like, gets right up in her face. You think it's what? She's like, I think it's just so romantic. So like. <laughs> Like these two are fucking uh, psychopaths together. Match made in heaven. Turns out it was the cocaine suitcase, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they go and visit uh, Clarence's dad, who is Dennis Hopper, because they want him to check to see if anybody's looking for the dude that killed Drexel. But I don't think they tell him about the cocaine. No, they don't. And uh, as you said earlier, but, uh, they think it's drug-related. Blue yeah. oil. Christian Slater also uses this time to try and get his dad off the wagon. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to get his dad to drink. You can have beer in the house, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> you can drink beer, though, right? You can have beer. <laughs> I can, but I don't. But later he's like, like yeah, later he's like, uh, he's like, man, you know, I stayed away through that year and a half where you were an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yep. for your own good, you know, because like, <laughs> it was in your best interest. <laughs> you know, when mom divorced you. <laughs> There's a Dick Ritchie audition in the middle of this. I suppose they call back to it later, but like this is another scene that seemed like they yeah, wrote really it down. How in the hell does he get the TJ Hooker part from this audition? Because he's just fucking terrible. Uh, Lee uh, Donowitz hooked him up. No, because he gets it before he even meets Lee. No, because he gets it after Elliot hooks up the cocaine deal. Mm-hmm. But like, he finds out about it before they go to like finish the deal. But like, Lee asked him. You sure like, about that though? Because uh, what? Because uh, Floyd answers the phone, and that that is that phone call where he realizes that or that he got the part right right but they were leaving to go to the hotel with the cocaine okay so yeah um he found out right before they went to do the deal but like when they were setting up the deal he he leaves asked elliot how he knew clarence and he's like oh he's a friend of a guy in my acting class and he's like oh your friend is he is he good and elliot's like yeah yeah Yes. Yeah, but so we're just supposed to assume that he's uh So the assumption is that Lee pulls the strings for Lee, a TV show. Yeah, he pulls the strings. He finds out what 
Dick has been auditioning for, you know, he goes in, you know, in his circles and figures it out and gets him the uh, the the role. That's still he, kind of a stretch to me. Because he hooked him up with Clarence and his fucking half a million dollars of cocaine for 200000 Yeah, still. Do you think he wouldn't uh, lift a finger for him until after he's met him? Yeah, I mean, with no skin off his back. His reputation shall not be tarnished. I'm sure. I'm sure that's easy to fix. There's just a bit part. He's playing the, <laughs> the fucking goon number two or whatever. Shoot him. <laughs> what are you doing? Hey, shoot him. Get the fuck up. <laughs> I like how he like starts to like panel. I'm driving. Okay. And like, <laughs> I'm driving. <laughs> I'm driving. Hey, get the fuck off my windshield. <laughs> He's really bad. <laughs> Although Michael Rappaport is really good. Like like there's there's a lot of things that I like Ra- Michael Rappaport in. Like he's mm-hmm. he's really good in a lot of stuff. He's good in everything except real life. <laughs> <laughs> he's a real hit and miss in real life. A lot, of, so a lot, of, these a lot of mess. I like he uh he tweeted out a video of himself uh after the Fauci came out and said that uh vaccinated people were super spreaders now and he's like fuck you <laughs> like i got the shot i've been telling people to get the shot and now you're saying i'm a super spreader <laughs> fuck you <laughs> might as well have not even got the shot <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh also talking about lee donowitz so according to the you know, the Tarantino verse wiki that's supposedly supposed to be Donnie Donowitz's son, the bear Jew. Oh, okay. From uh, that was all those uh, bastards. Tarantino verse, uh, you know, name connections. Like Skagnetti. I was wondering, <laughs> do we ever find out what Tom Sizemore's name is in here? <laughs> yeah, it, know was, uh, it was Nicholson. That's right. Because I knew it wasn't Skagnetti, but he There's does play another... Skagnetti and Natural Born Killers. There's another Skagnetti in a different Tarantino movie. And Reservoir Dogs is the parole officer. Yes. These mentions, mentions him. He's a real like hard ass. Right. right. But I think and, they have a different first And Mr. Name. White, Mr. White talks about uh just pulling pulling some jobs with Alabama. Yep. So I think originally when Tarantino wrote to Romance, Clarence gets killed and then she returns to a life of crime. Apparently starts pulling off jobs with Mr. White up in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> she moves out from Detroit to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. We did a couple jobs together. No, we didn't fuck. We just did jobs. <laughs> like a job job. Real job, job type job. <laughs> <laughs> Love that line. Use it regularly. So yeah, it sounds like uh, so. So Clarence is gonna go with Alabama to Hollywood to uh, to meet up with his friend Dick Ritchie. I like the phone call on the way. Like they stop at a roadside phone booth, and like uh, it starts with the it's synced up to fucking uh, the Big Bobber, mm-hmm. Chantilly Lace. Hello, <laughs> baby. 
and then uh, Dick Ritchie's taking a dump through the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good scene. And then it just ends with Clarence fucking Alabama in the phone booth. Mm-hmm. He puts her on a shelf, and then he's got to stand on two phone books because he's short. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dick is out of uh, toilet paper because Floyd took it all. Floyd! Floyd, you took the last piece of toilet paper. Uh, up next, I believe, is the uh, Sicilian scene. Yeah, I think I first... Like, I had heard about this scene. Like, people raved about, oh, this is one of the greatest scenes in the history of cinema. And then... Uh, but I didn't really know what it was about until I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. I think I first heard about it probably from, uh, like, I Love the 90s on VH1. Yeah. I would guess. Well, I'd seen True Romance a long time ago, and I hadn't heard about this scene before I saw it. But... Uh, it definitely left an impact. I thought it was hilarious, and the you know the dialogue is just perfect. The performances are incredible, of course. Yes, but uh, yeah, I only recorded just kind of the first. The, the scene's like ten minutes long. It seems a lot quicker than that because it goes by so fast. Yeah, but I just recorded like the first minute or two, so I left out the good parts because I think. Uh, I should say the best parts because, uh, yeah, you should just just watch it. Just watch True Romance. Do it. Watch that scene. Do it. But, uh, yeah, here's the beginning. Do you know who I am, Mr. Wally? I give up. Who are you? The Antichrist. You got me in a vendetta kind of mood. You tell the angels in heaven you never seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man who killed you. My name is Vincent Cocotti. I work as consul for Mr. Blue Lou Boyle, the man your son stole from. I hear you were once a cop, so I can assume you've heard of us before. Am I correct? I've heard of Blue Lou Boyle. I'm glad. Hopefully, that will clear up the handful of shit on my question you've been asking yourself. We're going to have a little Q&A. And at the risk of sounding redundant, please... Make your answers genuine. You want a Chesterfield? No. I have a son, my own, about your boy's age. I can imagine how painful this must be for you, but Clarence, an habitual girlfriend of his, brought this all on themselves. I implore you not to go down that road with them. You can always take comfort in the fact you never had a choice. Look, I'd like to help you if I could, but I haven't seen Clarence. You see that? <laughs> and smarts, doesn't it? They're slammed in the nose. Fucks you all up. Get that pain shooting through your brain, your eyes fill up with water. That ain't any kind of fun. But what I have to offer you, that's as good as it's going to get. And it won't ever get that good again. We talked to your neighbors. They saw a Cadillac. Purple Cadillac. Clarence's purple Cadillac parked in front of your trailer yesterday. Mr. Wally, you seen your son? I seen him. Yeah, when he says, do you see that? He's showing him his fist and he punches him in the nose. 
<laughs> I do like it. says, do you know who I am? No. I am the Antichrist. So good. <laughs> and then it gets really racist after that. But <laughs> like, I, it's reasonable to think that Clarence's dad is racist. I mean, he's a lives in a trailer in Detroit, former cop. But mm-hmm. um, it's almost funny how offended the Sicilians get at the idea that they might have some, yeah. some more blood in them from way back. He doesn't even have to necessarily be racist, but he knows that that's how the Italians view yeah. those uh, that group of people, and so he knows it'll his war his words will carry more weight if yeah. he uses that. Exactly. He knows he'll be that much more offended if they say <laughs> that. So it makes it so funny, even like when he's using like the like the Italian ethnic slurs, slurs you know, when he's talking about, he's like, "Well, see, back then, you know." Sicilians were like wops from northern Italy. <laughs> right. Yes. They all had blonde hair, blue eyes. <laughs> Just like the smile on his face when he says it. Oh, God, it's oh, so man. fucking funny. <laughs> You're an eggplant. Is that a common slur back? That's the one thing I never know is like, because I don't know if I've heard anybody use eggplant as a racial slur like outside of this movie. Um, I know it's referenced uh, a few years after this, an enemy of the state, because uh, which is another Tony Scott, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tom Sizemore uh, is trying to. He plays like a gangster, and he's trying to insult Will Smith, who's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. He calls him a shyster lawyer. Yeah. And Will Smith's like, ah, uh, the term shyster is uh, typically used for Jewish lawyers. I think the term <laughs> you're looking for is eggplant. <laughs> <laughs> and uh also you know moulin yan that's that's eggplant in italian oh okay you can see that i feel like if it was more common um nick nolte would have used it in 48 hours <laughs> <laughs> he had more colorful terms to use this very <laughs> very diverse range of <laughs> Of racial slurs <laughs> like spear chucker <laughs> it's my job it's my job <laughs> i i had to do it <laughs> oh but the, like the tension that builds like as he's told the story and they're like laughing along with him but but you know like shit's about to go down and then uh especially when he repeats it like your ancestors respond by you know what like it says it like after the story like he says it again right they're just laughing as they're all laughing at the time and you know you're a cantaloupe and all that <laughs> no, it's just hilarious and then uh yeah that's the end of uh clarence's dad as, <laughs> yeah. we, as we mentioned before brad pitt just checked out after this park he's like I, i'm so lost why isn't his dad being mourned <laughs> Like, I don't think Clarence knows that his dad is dead. Like he he yeah. didn't see his dad for three years before this, and then he just mm-hmm. used him to see if the coast was clear. Yeah. And then his dad ends up being the one. Actually, Clarence is the one that gets himself caught because he gave his dad Dick Ritchie's phone number and address. Yeah. Which was on the refrigerator. And <laughs> your son, fuckhead, left his driver's license there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I haven't killed anybody since 1984. 
They kill the dog, right? They send that guy out to kill the dog at the beginning of the scene, right? I think so, yeah, because he comes back in. He's like, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) That was that little Felix. I was like, what happened? Go take care of things outside. I think Gandolfini's got a dumb look on his face through the whole movie, too. Like, every, yeah. like he's a little shit eating grin. Yeah, he's just like kind of grinning through the whole thing. Like, <laughs> but uh, great scene. Yeah, but, I think we can uh, skip to uh, so Clarence in Alabama, they get to LA, they meet up with Dick Ritchie. Um, they're hanging out. He hooks somebody, he sets up the deal with Elliot and uh, Lee Donowitz. So maybe we can go to the uh, amusement park scene yeah where do you want to meet and then it just happens to be a, a music park commercial on tv on the roller coasters because she's like five that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, our next clip because clarence is talking to elliot about uh the deal elliot's after, just after elliot's uh throws up after the roller coaster he's just a fuck up so he, clarence is like call lee and let me talk to him and uh otherwise the deal's off Somebody's yeah, somebody's hello. Hi, Lee. Elliot, it's Sunday. Can you tell me why I'm talking to you on Sunday? I don't see enough of you all week. I got to talk to you on Sunday, too. I, I, I'm with that party that you wanted me to get together with, Lee. You know who I'm talking about? I don't believe this. Elliot, why the hell are you talking to me on my phone about that? Well, because I'm standing I'm standing with the guy, and he insists on talking to you. But are you out of your fucking mind? He's, he's, he said that if I didn't get you on the phone, that he didn't want to do that. Hello, Lee. It's Clarence. Last we speak. Now, first of all, Lee, I want to tell you I'm a really big fan of yours. That's why I want to open Dr. Zhivago in L.A. and I need you and your abilities to distribute. Uh, Clarence. Uh, I don't know. Clarence, Dr. Zhivago's a pretty big movie, you know? Biggest. Biggest movie you've ever dealt with, Lee. I mean, we're talking a lot of film here. A man would have to be an idiot not to be a little bit cautious about a movie like that. And Lee, you are no idiot. No, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm not interested, Clarence. It's just that being a distributor, it's not what I'm all about. I'm a movie producer, you know? I am on this earth to make good movies. Nothing more and nothing less. Well, maybe less sometimes. Hey! Choose a fucking lane! No, not you. Just some idiot. Don't give me the finger! I'll fucking have you killed! The bottom line is I am not paramount. You know what I'm saying? I got to select a few distributors I deal with. I buy their little movies and I accomplish what I want to accomplish. And I get the fuck out of there. Very businesslike and very easy and very little risk, Clarence. Lee, we're talking to Dr. Shabaco here. This has been packing them in for a year and a half. Two years. That is two years you're not going to have to deal with anybody else's movie but mine, all right? Nobody's but yours. Uh, well, uh, what is the rush here? Oh, I just want to be able to announce this deal I can, all right? If I had time for a courtship, Lee, I would. I'd take you out and hold your hand and kiss your cheek at the door. But I'm not in that position. I need to know right now if you and I are in bed together or not. If you want my movie, Lee, you're gonna have to come to terms with your fear and desire. Uh huh. Fear and desire, huh, Clarence? Don't you know that my films have grossed more than 2.8 billion, Clarence? Let me talk to Elliot. You wanna talk to Elliot? Let me talk to Elliot. Elliot, he wants to talk to you. Ali. Elliot. Where do you know this guy from? He's a he's a friend of uh, Dick's member. Fucking Dick. You, you, you want me to suck his dick? No, no fuck his dick. 
Oh, who the fuck is Dick? Yeah. Uh, Dick is my, he's my friend. He's in my acting class. You told him to act. Uh, is he any good? Is he talented? Or... Really? Yeah, and how does Dick know this guy? They, they, they grew up together. Okay, uh, Wednesday at the hotel, 3 o'clock. Bring the whole fucking cast, all right? And Elliot, don't call me here anymore, especially not on Sunday, all right? You want me to suck his... Oh, oh, who the fuck is Dick? <laughs> Do you think they called him Dick just for that joke? Could be. Seems like a long way to go for it, though. <laughs> <laughs> his name is Richard Ritchie. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> Although that might just be his acting name. I don't know. Richie Rich. <laughs> Richard Ritchie. Dick Ritchie. Rich Ritchie. So yeah, after that. So yeah, he gives Bronson a, a sample bag. Well, that, I think they do that off screen. Well, I think Elliot is taking it to him. And then uh we see later, you know, what happens with him and the the car with his sample bag of coke. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, uh, James Gandolfini shows up at Dick's apartment and asks uh, Floyd where he can find Clarence. <laughs> I like how they always they knock like they got like a screen door, uh, and uh, they just knock and they go, "Hey, are you Dick Ritchie?" No, <laughs> man, I'm Floyd. Like, He's yeah. always inviting people in. He's like, "You want to smoke or you want to want to come down? Want to watch some TV?" Yeah, <laughs> it might be back. And. Uh, he just gives up like their location. He's like, "Oh, he's at the Safari Moat Motor Inn Motel in the Safari Safari uh, Motel." motel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Gandolfini's just chilling in their motel. He just gets in their room in the uh, honeymoon suite. Uh, Clarence drops off Alabama, and he's gonna go get some juicy hamburgers or whatever the fuck he's gonna get. And uh, Alabama, alone in the room with James Gandolfini, tries to BS him, says uh, she's not who he thinks she is, but he knows. Yeah, I think her whole approach was wrong, if that's what she was going to try and do. Yeah. Because if it's a case of mistaken identity, then she would be like, who the hell are you? What are you doing in my room with a shotgun? Yeah, she was way too calm walking in. Like <laughs> she knew, She knew what was going on. She really walks into it too, because um, he has her, you know, stand up, and he's like, "Let me take a look at you. Why don't you turn around?" And she starts turning one direction, and he's like, "No, no. Why don't you turn the other?" And she turns right into a fucking fist to the face. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's telling her stories about murdering people. Uh, it gets easier and it gets better, and you get like a rush when you do it. I even I even threw up the first time. Can you believe it? <laughs> Now I just do it to see the there's expression on their face change. Pretty solid fight scene. He's finally going to kill her. And then uh, since she has a lot of heart, he decides he'll let her have one because she's holding up that Swiss Army knife, which I don't know why she just doesn't take it, the knife end out of it. She has like the corkscrew. Cor- I thought it was. Yeah, I guess it was. She had the corkscrew. I think it had the Swiss symbol on it. But yeah, it had that corkscrew. And I, I'm like, just like put that back. <laughs> Take the knife out. He finds the coke under the bed. He's like, "Did you put the fucking coke under the bed?" <laughs> Fuck, I'm old. I'm getting old here. I, it's fucking up. 
Yeah, and she stabs him in the foot. It's pretty sweet. Maybe that's why, because it's like once the corkscrew goes in, it's much better because you know that's going to hurt a lot more than just a knife. Yeah. And then but uh you think you'd have to twist it to really get it down in there, like through a shoe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't but, know. I suppose if you stab hard enough, it'll go in. Yeah. That's soft Italian leather, probably. She gets, <laughs> yeah. She gets thrown through the shower door, which was mm-hmm. It just makes her giggle because <laughs> you look ridiculous. Well, <laughs> I think he cut. I think he got cut on the forehead, like in the ricochet or whatever. No, it's from when she hits him over the head with that uh, that bust. Oh yeah, she, it was like a lamp or something. Yeah, it was a like a a bust, like someone's head, you know, okay. like a porcelain bust or something. <laughs> She rubs soap in his eyes or shampoo or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, and take, burns him with that... Uh, yeah, she takes the back off... The cover off the back of the toilet tank. And then she improvises a flamethrower with her lighter and hairspray. Mm-hmm. I want that special effects when he runs out with his uh, rubber <laughs> face. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a little noticeable. But it wasn't actually him. But like his whole hedge catches on fire. Like mm-hmm. I guess he was wearing a lot of cologne and hairspray that day. <laughs> <laughs> An aftershave. And uh, yeah, then she uh, goes nuts. <laughs> she gets the she, corkscrew in the back, and then she grabs the shotgun, and it's on. And shoots him like five times, maybe, and then just starts beating his dead corpse <laughs> with the butt of the shotgun. Yes. <laughs> Clarence comes in. Not in the nick of time, <laughs> after everything's done. Because <laughs> he's talking with uh, some guy about Elvis. Who's, he's bothering somebody who's reading a Newsweek. He's like, hey, this is like the best Elvis article I've seen yet. <laughs> the guy was really nervous. Like He, he could tell Clarence wasn't, uh, <laughs> wasn't all there upstairs. But they didn't. They probably cut it. But he's probably telling him, like, yeah, yeah I'd fuck Elvis if I had to fuck a guy. <laughs> He already told two different people that story. There's there's absolutely <laughs> no way that he's not telling that to everybody he meets. <laughs> I bet he would have told Lee Donowitz if he had the chance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they they get out of there. They're on the run. They go back to they go back to Dick's house or something. I can't remember. They end up at Dick's house later. But um Well, no, you, you forgot the basketball scene where Alabama got injured. <laughs> you believe that? <laughs> that happened playing basketball? <laughs> He's so dumb. Dick Ritchie is so dumb. <laughs> Dick's like, oh, she no, she got those uh, playing basketball and <laughs> fucking Elliot just loses it. <laughs> but why was Elliot so fucking crazy at that point? It starts with him <laughs> weaving around the windy roads of Hollywood, California, in what looks like on the PCH, it looks like Lee Donowitz is uh convertible, his white convertible. And uh, the cop lights him up, <laughs> and it turns out he's getting roadhead uh, <laughs> from some whore, I guess. I don't know who she was. Like, she was <laughs> so trying to break into the business, <laughs> and uh, so he's trying to get her to put his. Big ass baggie of cocaine in her purse or something, and she won't do it. 
She bends her, he just like knocks it into his face. And uh, so he's got powder all over his face when the cop shows up. And uh, this is where we meet uh, Chris Penn and um, Tom, Tom Sizemore. Sizemore uh, what were their character names? Nikki Dimes and Cody Nicholson. Which I don't know if they, like, I think they might mention their last names once or twice. But I don't know if they they call them by their full name. Probably the police lieutenant said something like, uh, you know, Nichols and Dimes get in here or something like that. Yeah. Nichols and Dimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Nichols and Dimes. Like, I just uh, got it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't catch it either until you said it. It's got to say things out loud. <laughs> Sound it out. Oh, wow. That's clever. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that right away. That's a really punny uh, joke there. <laughs> Oh, their interrogation of Elliot is fucking hilarious, too. Like, their whole, every time they're on screen is is the best. They're bad cop, bad cop. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're, like, basically telling him he's going to, if he doesn't roll on everybody in the deal, he's going to go to jail and get fucked in the ass. And then <laughs> uh, he's going to come out and he's going to get married and he's going to understand his wife's needs. And then uh, <laughs> he's going to want to fuck her in the ass because the pussy's not tight enough. <laughs> uh, so Elliot immediately just rolls on everybody. And then uh, he agrees to wear a wire mm-hmm. uh, to the deal. And for some reason, they put like the the machine, the recorder, like in his crotch. I think that's fairly common practice. Really? But he's like really nervous about it because like like they said like if they're gonna search you they're not gonna search your balls yeah that's right and uh they don't they don't even search him because he like they know him already yeah but uh yeah so you want to talk about the deal they mm-hmm. set it up at the the beverly ambassador is that what it is yeah beverly ambassador and uh <laughs> Floyd's high as shit. We mentioned it earlier, but all the guys, all the mob guys come in with their their guns locked and loaded, and Floyd just tells them that everyone's at the Beverly Ambassador. So we get uh, in typical Tarantino and Sergio Leone fashion, we have a Mexican standoff at the end. Yeah, this one's a three-way standoff. Mm-hmm. That's so, at the, well, it has, at if the it's, it has to be a three-way, at least to be a Mexican standoff. Does it? Yeah. Good, the bad, the ugly. Well, what Three about, different parties, all after the same money. What about natural born killers? Is it just uh, it was just uh, Mallory and Skignetti. Um, so was that? Did they say Mexican standoff in there? Yeah, because they, they Skignetti was laying down behind a dead cop. <laughs> I think they both were laying behind dead cops uh, for cover. And uh, he's like, we got ourselves a Mexican standoff. Really, I think any standoff could be Mexican as long as there's guns. Okay, it does say confrontation among two or more parties in which no participant can proceed or retreat without being exposed to danger. But typically it's three because the most famous ones are good, the bad, the ugly. I see. But yeah, I guess it can be two. Because uh, also in Inglorious Bastards, 
they mentioned Mexican uh, standoff, but it's pretty much only two parties at that point mm-hmm. because the only people that are left are the allies and the Nazis because the, the bartenders are already dead. Because he's like, you know, you got guns on us. We got guns. On, we got a grenade up here. We throw it down there. You know, we'll blow you up. So that's a Mexican standoff. Yeah. So you're right. I was just thought of it as three parties or more, but it can be two. <laughs> I didn't know it was so technical. Yeah. I just like saying it because they say it in natural barn killers and it's just funny to me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh when they uh, get ready to, to get to the meet here, when uh, they meet Clarence and crew, uh, Alabama and Dick, they meet uh, Elliot in the lobby. And Elliot's so nervous. He's like, hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> and Clarence is like, can, can we go? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then he fucking stops the elevator and he pulls a gun on him. <laughs> he's basically... Like, uh, he's trying to see if he'll break. Yeah. And, um, that's our next clip, but it's still kind of strange that Christian Slater would even think to do that. He's a, like, fucking why wouldn't he trust psychopath? Like, why wouldn't he trust Elliot? Cause Dickie, or, yeah, Dick, uh, vouched for him. Like, he set up the whole deal. Right. He knows he's an actor. Yeah. He's not a cop. He, he really doesn't have any reason to think other than maybe if he noticed that he was acting weird in the lobby yeah. and he, uh, he called an audible. I think you'll hear in the clip. He does say something like he thinks something's off. So but... something's rotten in Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> sure is. <laughs> All right. Here's the, uh, here's a clip. Elliot. Yeah. Get on your knees. Oh no. What? So get on your fucking knees! What the fuck? Shut the fuck up to both of you! I know what the fuck I'm doing. You think I'm pretty fucking stupid, don't you? Huh, don't you? No, no, don't you fucking lie to me, you motherfucker! He's bluffing you, Elliot! He's bluffing you! Can't you see that? Come on, I wanna hear you say it. I wanna hear you say Clarence, you are without a doubt. Shut up! Say it, goddammit! I wanna hear you say it. Say, Clarence, you are without a doubt the dumbest motherfucker I've ever seen on the face of the planet. Say it! Motherfucker! Apparently I'm not as dumb as you fucking think I am, am I, huh? Come on, what the fuck is waiting for us up there, huh? What the fuck's waiting for us? It's gonna shoot him. Tell me I'm gonna pump two in your face right here, right now. <laughs> it's not gonna shoot him. Clear enough, motherfucker. It's gonna shoot him. Like Nick Carter used to say, if I'm wrong, I swear to God, I'll fucking apologize, all right? Something's amiss, I can feel it. If anything out of the ordinary goes down, I swear to God, you are gonna be the first one shot. Clarence, he didn't do anything! What the fuck? Shut you? up, all right? I'm gonna blow this motherfucker away. Fuck you. Oh, I wish somebody would just come and get me because I don't like this anymore. Get a hold of yourself, you fucking sissy! I wish somebody would just come and take me away. Just take me away. Hang in there, Elliot! God damn it! I can't face it. I'm sorry, but I just can't. And if there was somebody who just come to my rescue, everything would be all right. Elliot. Elliot. What? I'm sorry, all right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Prince. I'm sorry, mate. What's with this guy? 
Like how they're just sitting in the other room, just listening and like commentating the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not gonna shoot him. Oh, he's gonna shoot up. <laughs> uh, and then that uh, Elliot going, I wish somebody would just come and take me away. <laughs> <laughs> take me away. Take me away. <laughs> so then we get uh yeah, all the introductions. Boris and the bodyguards aren't happy that Clarence has a gun on him. Lee don't give a shit. Yeah. Mm, nah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's necessary. That he even shows Lee his gun at one point, and he's like, "Oh my god!" And he, like Lee like pretends to point it at him, and then he goes back. You know. <laughs> um, because they're all buddy buddy. Yeah, they're. He has uh, he's playing dailies on the projector for apparently a sequel to his uh, magnificent Vietnam film, uh, Coming Home in a Body Bag. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, so uh, him and Clarence, uh, Lee and Clarence, get to talking about movies, which is our next clip. You know, Lee, most of these movies that win a lot of Oscars, I can't stand them. They're all safe geriatric coffee table dog shit. You know? We park our cars in the same garage. All those assholes make are unwatchable movies from unreadable books. Mad Max, that's a movie. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, that's a movie. Rio Bravo, that's a movie. And Coming Home in a Body Bag, that was a fucking movie. It was the only movie up to that time that won a lot of Oscars with balls since, since Deer Hunter. I don't believe you. What, do you like a little coffee with your sugar or what? <laughs> now, Lee, I'm not satisfied till the spoon stands straight up. <laughs> Give me your coffee, man. Lee, my Uncle Roger and my Uncle Jerry, both of whom were in Nam, saw it coming home in a body bag. They said to me, Clarence, that is the most accurate Vietnam film they'd ever seen. i tell you something, Clarence. When veterans of that bullshit war say that about my project, it makes the whole thing worthwhile. Here's to you. My friend, I'm calling you my friend, I just met you. You know why? I think because we got the same interests. You know what I'd like to do right now? I'd like to see Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> Where is it? Is there a fucking doctor in the house or what? Hang on a second. Uh, Lee, when you see this, you are going to shit. Bingo. He says bingo there, although they don't uh, have what they need until Lee agrees to buy it. Right. And they're struggling because they can't. Him and uh, Clarence go to the. It's not a balcony, is it? Uh, It's like a terrace. Yeah, a terrace to go. He's like, Let's come convince me. So he has to butter him up more. And uh, Elliot's trying to <laughs> listen from the entryway to the terrace. And yeah, you know, Lee kind of shoes him away, like, get out of here. Elliot he's, keeps- he's sitting there, like, holding his crotch, <laughs> moving the machine around. But it's pretty funny. He, he can't really pick it up. But then when he comes back in and talks about making the deal, you know, get the money. So, yeah, that's all the cops need. Well, it was weird because Sizemore is like, man, if he doesn't make the buy, all we got is possession. It's like, dude, you got like a suitcase full of fucking cocaine. Like, I was, I think that's enough with uh, to have possession with intent to distribute. <laughs> they call that shit intent. 
Well, like, 10 still seems high. Like, oh, he had a couple priors. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think the cutoff is like one kilo or something. It might even be lower than that. Uh, is Beaumont a first name or last name? <laughs> if I had to guess, that would be a Christian name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Beaumont Livingston. So yeah, uh, cops come in in short order, and right around the same time, uh, the mob makes their move. Yes, well, we they come in the back door. There's so many different doors to this uh, hotel room. We should mention that Tom Sizemore forgot his vest, and he doesn't realize it till they're right outside the door, and then. <laughs> Then they're in a standoff with Lee's security and Lee's like, what the fuck are you? Stop putting guns at the cops. And the security's like, I forgot to tell you, I hate <laughs> fucking cops. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, just totally irrational. Yeah, and then uh, like you mentioned, the uh, the Sicilians show up and they're, they're on the other side of the room because they use the other door. Clarence is taking a leak talking to Elvis about how fucking cool he is. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he he doesn't hear anything until shots are fired. He's like, "How do you not hear what's going on?" He's in his head, and uh, yeah, I guess, but uh, <laughs> doesn't hear any of it. Um, yeah, Alabama. She wrote her note on a napkin to him and just said, "You're so cool, heart, Alabama. You're so cool." Actually, I think one of my cousins got married and uh she sent an invitation to my parents to come to the wedding and they had like true romance themed invitations mm. which is weird nice. i think they're divorced now but mm. obviously it really worked out for them uh then uh here we have our last clip in the middle of the standoff elliot wants to leave <laughs> <laughs> he's had enough he's done his job Officer Dimes? Officer Dimes? What? Um, this has nothing to do with me anymore, right? Okay. So I'm just gonna leave. And you guys just settle this by yourselves, all right? Just shut up and stay the fuck put, Elliot. How do you know his name? Why the fuck did he know your name? You little piece of shit! You can forget about acting for the next 20 years. Your fucking career is over. Take your fucking SAG card and burn it. You little cocksucker. I treated you like a son. You fucking stabbed me in the heart. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Treated like a son. Why am I talking to you on Sunday? <laughs> it's not enough. I got to deal with you all week. I got to talk to you on Sunday. I thought Lee like a son. I thought Lee Donovitz was going to have a stroke delivering those lines. <laughs> he already looks like he's a little ballsy in the face. Like he, uh, like have his face. Yeah. Work. He talks like out of the corner of his mouth. Talks like Jim Ross. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Firefight ensues in which everyone dies except for, okay, Dick. Uh, he crawls and gets out the door, runs down the hallway. He gets out. No, like the best part is Dick takes the suitcase full of cocaine and just throws it up in the air and somebody shoots it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he, yeah, he gets out. He runs out in the hallway. He bails. 
uh clarence gets a ricochet he gets like a grazing blow to his face uh or shot to this gets face. shot through the eye huh? he basically gets shot through the eye i always thought he did but it looked like it was more of a just like a, a grazing like he, he just got grazed by it like he might have still like fucked his vision up and stuff but yeah. Like, well, I mean, he's he in got, an eye patch in the last scene, so I mean, if he got shot, doesn't mean he was shot through the eye. But yeah, if he was shot like through the eye, he'd be dead. But he was like, well, not in the corner. corner. He just got the corner of his head. Like, uh, what was that rapper that had the one eye? Fatty. Oh, one. one eye. Little one eye. Fatty Wap. <laughs> what was his song? <laughs> he was. He was big know. like ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's probably just grazed. Um, but yeah, he can't see out of that eye anymore. Yep. Yeah. Basically, everybody dies. Um, did Alabama get shot? I can't remember. No, she, she shoots Chris Penn because she. Uh, oh yeah, because Chris Penn thought, shot Clarence, and then she shot shot Chris Penn, right? Uh, although I'm not sure if it's exactly uh, clear that Chris Penn shot Clarence. It's definitely uh, likely. I think it's implied for sure. Yeah. There's one Sicilian down in the lobby who's kind of causing enough distraction for Clarence and Alabama to sneak out with mm-hmm. the fucking money. Yeah, he took a hostage. They shoot so him they anyways. <laughs> yeah. He had a hostage. He had a sharpshooter got him in the shoulder. So um, yeah, they sneak out. Nobody bothers to stop them. <laughs> like what? Like they don't have anybody coming in who has any idea who's involved in any of this thing mm-hmm. so um so yeah they uh they're off to mexico and live happily ever after with their new son elvis yes happily ever that's, after that's the end true romance it is a, a very good uh rom-com <laughs> we'll give it a soonish same same uh i've liked WTM this soonish since I first saw it, it's right up there. What a great movie. Well, I mean, we could start uh, fun facts and whatnot. But I read that. So the title and the story somewhat is a play on romance comics, such as true stories of romance, romance tales, and true life secrets. So you got the connection there with the, uh, the title. And then you also have Clarence, who works in a comic book shop. Yeah. And it is kind of like a, you know, Tarantino's wet dream. It's, it's like a comic book. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. You want to get into some fun facts? Sure. Hey, everybody. Here's some fun facts. So in a 2011 interview with the American Film Institute, Gary Oldman was asked to name his favorite role. He chose two, Lee Harvey Oswald in GFK and Drexel in True Romance. So, brother, like he's man. good and he's good in JFK, but it's still kind of weird that he picked that. Well, he must have really hated the Kennedys. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a he's a libertarian. Uh, there was that article in, uh, or that interview he did. I think it's for Playboy, and he called uh, was it Nancy Pelosi or maybe uh, Diane Feinstein? Called her a uh, like a worthless, feckless cunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So he was actually yeah. good. he was good in uh, 
the woman in the window. He played a real asshole in that movie. But uh, it's funny because like he's a he's a suspected killer in that movie, but he doesn't do any. It's it's almost like uh, Ben Affleck and Gone Girl. Like he does everything to try to prove that he's the killer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that was a good movie. I like that. Here's a fun fact. Following the eggplant scene, Dennis Hopper was concerned about being shot, quote unquote, by Christopher Walken with the prop gun so close against his head for fear of being burned by the barrel. So director Tony Scott assured him the gun was 100% safe and even tested it by having the prop man fired against his own forehead. But upon firing the prop gun, the barrel extended about a third of an inch. Scott ended up on the floor with blood pouring from his head. (laughs) You got Anton Chigurh. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> another Gary yeah. Oldman uh, fact here. Uh, Gary Oldman met with Tony Scott about the project and told him he had uh, he hadn't had a chance to read the script he'd been sent. Then asked Scott what his part would be like. Scott told him, "You're playing a white guy who thinks he's black, and you're a killer pimp." Oldman laughed and immediately accepted the role. It's a dream yeah. role for. Old mm-hmm. British Gary Oldman. And I, I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but just wanted to make it clear that both Clarence and Alabama died in the original script. Okay. But then it could truly be the modern Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun fact. Uh, Quentin Tarantino named the Sicilian scene as one of his proudest moments. I had heard that whole speech about the Sicilians a long time ago from a black guy living in my house. One day I was talking with a friend who was Sicilian and I just started telling him that speech and I thought, wow, that is a great scene. I got to remember that. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually not that interesting. I guess that forgives all the N-words that he put in there, right? Because he Mm -hmm. heard it from a black guy first. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but tarantino yeah he always had uh his mom was always dating black dudes yeah it uh, it shows uh so harvey weinstein apparently considered steve buscemi for the role of clarence it was also considered for detective nikki dime and elliot blitzer now at first glance i'm thinking no way but for Clarence, yeah. it does kind of fit because him and Alabama got the same teeth, so they can, you know, <laughs> they'd fit together, make it work. You know, you know those teeth, they're they're all, you know, in this movie, she, she I don't think she's ever looked better than in this movie, and the teeth oh, are she's kind of, fantastic looking. The teeth are kind of cute in this one, but the older she got, the, the <laughs> more it's like, oh, yeah, you should have really fixed those a long time ago. Yeah, they've both said similar things about fixing their teeth, um, about how they don't care to do it. I think I saw her in like a commercial for Medium or something, whatever her TV show was, and I'm like, oh, what is going on with her mouth? <laughs> Who is that? And I'm like, oh, shit, she's, the, she's Alabama? What happened? What happened to you? Yeah, it just doesn't bother either of them. I mean, I... I don't know about Buscemi, but Patricia Arquette is definitely. I'm. I'm pretty sure she's married and has a lot of kids. Uh, she had uh, her four year old son 
made a cameo at the end in the last scene. Elvis, that was actually her son. That's her kid. Okay. So she uh, she already had a kid, and she's still looking smoking in here. Yes. And she's looking good. Uh, four years later in Lost Highway. I, I, she yeah. looks very good in Lost Highway. <laughs> <laughs> after that, who knows what happened? She just, you know. Well, after that, she started that decade-long project of, with Richard Linklater. <laughs> Well, she you talked can to, watch her transform from the beginning to the end of that film. She talked to Ghost for like five years. Hmm. Yep. Here's another fun fact. Uh, Tony Scott gave Patricia Arquette the purple Cadillac as a gift after shooting Wrapped. So I wonder how long she had that for. Hmm. Dennis Hopper claims the only words improvised in the scene with Christopher Walken were eggplant and cantaloupe. <laughs> so I don't know if they had something else scripted for those and they just changed it or what. Here's a fun fact. Uh the movie that Alabama and Clarence are watching when Clarence asked for Drexel's info is uh Better Tomorrow 2 from 88, director John Wu. Okay. Because I was wondering what some of them were, because here it shows that uh Alabama was watching a soap opera, Santa Barbara from 84. And uh Movie that Floyd is watching is Free Jack from '92. You want to come in and watch some TV or something? I might be back here. <laughs> and then isn't he watching like Highlander or something later? I'm not sure. There is a bunch of them that I didn't recognize. Or no, not Highlander. Uh, what am I thinking of? I'm not sure. Maybe it'll show it here, but. Uh, the genesis of the film began with a 50 page script by Roger Avery titled The Open Road. Avery described the plot as being about an odd couple relationship between an uptight businessman and an out-of-control hitchhiker who travel into a hellish Midwestern town together. When he had trouble finishing it, he asked his friend and fellow video archives clerk Quentin Tarantino to give it a shot. After several weeks, Quentin handed him over 500 handwritten pages of what Avery described as the Bible of pop culture. Roger typed and edited the behemoth, behemoth, uh, working with Quentin on the further on further story ideas. According to a film threat article from 1994, the final script was a combination of this movie and Natural Born Killers. Reportedly, it followed Quentin's original Natural Born Killers script until after the prison riot. After escaping, Mickey and Mallory decide to find and kill the screenwriter who wrote the glitzy Hollywood movie about their exploits. The writer goes on the run, and True Romance was the movie he writes while trying to evade the two psycho, the two psychotic killers. It was told in trademark Tarantino chapter fashion, out of chronological order. When it became obvious that the miniseries-length script would never sell, they split the two stories into separate movies. It's not a fun fact. That's a fun book. <laughs> it was a very long entry into the trivia section. <laughs> so in a deleted scene. Uh, Vincenzo Cacote says to his men, oh, children, someone is sticking a red hot poker up my asshole. And what I don't know is whose name is on the handle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a line from Reservoir Dogs also by QT. Sure is. Here's another fun fact. Also, another quote from Reservoir Dogs. Did a lie Joe to a damned if I know. 
Holdaway used the phrase with Mr. Orange. Who's Holdaway? In Reservoir Dogs. Oh, this is where Holdaway used the phrase with Mr. Orange. Is he the uh, the guy that helps him with the commode story? Oh, yep. Yep. Motherfucker looks like the thing. <laughs> oh, like flame on and shit, an invisible bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we, I mentioned this a little earlier. As a temporary music track, film editor Tim Sicconi put "Outshine" by Soundgarden in the scene where Stoner Brad Pitt gives directions to the henchman. The result was such a hit at test screenings that a good portion of the music budget went to obtaining rights to use the hit song in the final film. Because I think that was yeah, that would have been like a brand new song at that point. Uh, during a stay in a squalid hotel without a phone. Gandolfini rarely used the shower after he noticed Christopher Walken declined earplugs for the scene where Dennis Hopper gets shot Gandolfini decided to do the same but he couldn't hear for three days after that so apparently Quentin Tarantino chose the name Alabama as an homage to Pam Greer who is Alabama and women in cages and the original Mm. script had Clarence mentioned that the name sounded like a Pam Greer character Apparently in the trivia section of the DVD, uh, it says that Tarantino sold the script for about 10 grand with this money. He purchased the red uh, Chevy uh, Chevelle convertible that Vega drives in Vincent Vega drives in uh, Pulp Fiction. But I thought he sold it for more than that because I thought he used some of the money for Reservoir. That's what I was thinking. But maybe it was uh, the natural born killers that he sold to fund Reservoir. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another fun fact. So the scene on the roller coaster was filmed over two days. Michael Rapaport uh, unfortunately has a fear of roller coasters and suffers from acute motion sickness. Facts which no one knew during the first day's filming. By the second day, the crew was prepared for this and they gave him something to calm his nerves. As a result, one can easily tell from cut to cut on which day a particular moment was filmed. By watching his face in the background, his expression goes back and forth from apprehensive and nauseous to bland and oblivious of his surroundings. So here's uh, what I was wondering earlier. In an 08 Maxim article, it is revealed that the character of Lee Donowitz, played by Saul Rubinek, was envisioned as a portrayal of um, producer Joel Silver, uh, the two had, uh, sorry, was envisioned as a portrayal of producer Joel Silver by director Tony Scott. The two had just worked together on The Last Boy Scout. Scott hated working with Silver uh, during the making of that film, and they both had problems with Bruce Willis. Silver even called the making of The Last Boy Scout to be one of the three worst experiences in my life. When Scott told Rubinek that he got Joel exactly right uh, during his audition, Rubinek had no idea who Joel Silver even was. In the article, Scott is quoted as saying, the Hollywood satire is affectionate, but Joel didn't talk to me for a long time after that. That makes sense. I think we just uh, we just met here in the yeah. uh, trivia section. So. Yeah, I think that'll about do it for the trivia. Um, we're going to probably wrap up the show here, but I wanted to mention just briefly that... Uh, uh, if you listen to the episode on the rookie, uh, there was an, a clip that I was going to 
play on that episode, but I, I know I didn't like I, when I was recording it, I didn't, I couldn't find it. And then I did after we recorded it. So I just, I put a tiny little clip at the very end of the episode after the you know, outro, which is the check you later lines from days of confused. So there's a, a quote from Clint Eastwood that said the after that, and I thought it's a nice little bumper to end the show. So it's like a out of context clip. And I think we're going to continue to do that. So after this episode, there's going to be another out of context clip from this film. So stay tuned for that. It's a little treat for everybody who sticks around to the very end. Mm-hmm. You can always fast forward, but you might <laughs> fast forward to right in the middle of the clip. So you don't know. <laughs> this is true. So, uh, Brett, why don't you tell the folks at home about Teespring and give a little update on your podcast? When's it coming back? Undecided. (laughs) Still still on hiatus from Positively Wolfie Podcast. Uh, I am thinking of uh, bringing it back uh, probably pretty soon. Uh, I was thinking of kind of retooling it. Maybe instead of doing three articles per episode, maybe just cut it down to one. Then I could, you know, still record in batches, but, you know, cut down on the editing time. But anyways, more news on that to come. If you want to support the WTM Watch This Movie podcast, you can head over to wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. Check out our merchandise there. Got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, uh, cell phone cases. We got um okay, we got all kinds of stuff, bunch of different designs. So check that out. That helps the podcast out. So anything you uh you wanna care to purchase from there is much appreciated. All right. You can email us and watch this movie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. And follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie or Brett at positively wolf one. And please rate and review subscribe on Apple podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Later. Wait, man. Why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you're off my case. Ooh, that's imaginative. Got more taste in my penis.